0: Amen. Thank you. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 11 uh, through 14. John's Gospel, chapter 1, 11. He, that is Jesus, came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his grace. Thank you for the, him being the truth. Thank you for him being the Word. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, show us in your Word tonight, Lord. We we want to uh, be all we can be as your child, and we want to have other people to, to follow you, to become their You become their Savior, and they become your children, Father. I thank you for those that are here tonight. Bless the homes that are represented in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In verse 14, it says, The Word was made flesh. And if you don't understand what that is, the Word is Jesus and became flesh in this world. Uh, Leaving heaven and coming to here, um, He did not cease to be God when he came uh, to, the, to this earth uh, and became a man. Uh, but Jesus came uh, out of due time, uh, Hebrew says, out of due time. It was time for something different to happen on the earth. And our father saw what was coming and knew what was ahead. And so he, he told his son, hey, you, you've got to go. You've got to make this move. And you've got to do what I want you to do. Uh, our divine Lord, when we look at, at Scripture and and think about what he did, took upon himself human nature. And uh, he became real. He became and was sinless. He was a perfect man. Walked among men. And it says he knew all of our sorrows and all of our suffering. And this union... Of the two natures, human and divine, uh, it wrought for us these things uh, that I want to make mention of. First of all, it became possible for, for the Son of God to die upon the cross. Second of all, he could be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Thirdly, he left us an example that we should follow him. I'll give you those one more time. Um, it's hard to keep up with it sometime. Um, it became possible for him to become uh, the Son of God uh, to die upon the cross for us. Secondly, he could be touched with our infirmities, our sorrows, our diseases, our hurts and thirdly, he left us an example to follow and Cassie's going to put up first. Timothy 3:16 and I want us to look at it together. It says and without controversy, understand that now, there are no controversy in the scripture. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. It is a mystery. Each one of us in this room tonight, we have a if we're saved, we have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus which should be different than any relationship that we could ever uh, have in this world. He says, God was manifest. He was made visible in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. That. One verse right there is the whole gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. From his beginning to his end on this earth uh, to to his coming back for us. So, um, the title of this tonight came out of verse 12, where it says, Power to become sons of God. Power to become sons of God. First of all, when we think about this, Jesus came down to bear shame. To bear shame. That's one thing in our world today. People are not ashamed of sin. I mean hey well it just it happened you know I'm, I'm trying to deal with it. But think of the shame that was heaped upon the Son of God. Just, just to name a few things. Think of the men who stood by and rooted on the soldiers as they whipped him as they drove nails into his body, uh, as they spit in his face, as they slapped him, as they called him names. it says when he came to his own, his own didn't even receive him. When I think about that, I think of the shame that our Lord faced on the cross for you and for me. Think of the men who stood by and blasphemed his name. If you are the Son of God, if you are, come down and take yourself and us off of the cross. And those men, hey, I always, when I think of those that were present on that day, I don't know how Mary felt because I'm not a mother but I wonder about that one soldier who was gambling for his robe along with others right under beneath the cross where the blood was falling, dripping, that looked up and said, truly, this must have been the Son of God. I don't know. I wonder if that boy got saved right then and there. Truly, this must have been And look where I am. Look what I have been a part of. The Bible said it is a shame to hang on a tree. And Jesus did. The second thing, not only did Jesus come down and bear the shame of sin, but Jesus came down to endure poverty. Cassie's going to put up 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your and my sake he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Now, when I think of, of his poverty, think about uh, where he was born. We understand and know it was a, a stable. Uh, As a baby, they laid him in a manger. And as he grew, he he was a, a member of a very poor family. And at one point, they asked him where he lived. And he said, birds of the air have nests, foxes have dens, but the Son of Man, that is Jesus, has nowhere to lay his head. Nowhere. Traveled here and there. Walking, of course. And then, the poverty brought him to shame. And the poverty, after his death, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. He was made poor. So you and I could be made rich in His love, His glory, His mercy, all the care that He gives and extends to every child of God. Uh, He has done that and He will continue to do that as long as time stands on uh, this earth. So, I consider myself to be rich as a child of God. When I know who my father is, and the Bible says that my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Trying to think of the black singer that's dead and gone now. One of my favorite. Hit me out. Wow. His name just left me. Anyhow, he, he sang a lot of gospel songs. And uh, in one of the concerts one night, he gave his testimony and he said, My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I ought to be able to have a steak anytime I want because I'm rich. I'm rich. Well, Jesus came down to bear shame. He came down to endure poverty. Thirdly, and for us to become a child of, of, of God, He came down to die. Down from glory he came. I can't imagine. Death was no surprise to him. He knew that that was the end thing. When when he left the portals of glory, left heaven to come to this sinful earth, he knew the bottom line was, I'm going to have to die. Okay? I'm going to have to die. On the spiritual side, when he left heaven, he knew that was the ultimate goal, that he was going to die. But in the midst of all that, on the human side, he went to his father and begged him to let this cup pass. But then he said, hey... Not what I want, but what you want. Philippians 2, 6 and 7 says, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. That's what he did. You know, it's amazing when I, when I, when I think of uh, him coming to die. Dying on the cross, not for anything that he had done, but for the sins that you and I. No, we weren't alive. When Jesus was in this world, walking the, the, this earth, we weren't not, not alive, but when he died, the Bible says he died one time and he died for all. When he died, he died for my past, my present, and my future sins. And if a person is saved, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There is nothing that can counsel our salvation. Nothing. Now, when I think about this, we should not take the death of our Lord and Savior uh, lightly. People say, well, you know, he was, he was God." In the flesh, he probably didn't feel that pain. Oh, yes, he did. He felt a horrible pain. He felt the load of sins of the world so heavy that his father, the Bible says, turned his back on him. And and Jesus said, Father, why? Why have you forsaken me? It was not he was forsaking his son. He was forsaking. He could not look at those sins that, was, that his son was being burdened with. He carried those sins to the cross. How much blood did it take to save one person? One drop would have done the job. But he shed it all for you and for me. Well, another thing that um, he did to give us power to become a child of God... As he came to conquer death. Can you imagine those disciples and the family members? That evening of the crucifixion as they made their way to different places. What a load of sorrow they carried with them discussing what are we going to do now? I thought everything was going to be good. He was just in the prime of life. And I thought everything was going to be great. What are we going to do now without him? I think of those that, well, Cleophas, the Bible says, and another. As they walked on their way to Emmaus, just wandering along, probably heads hung down. And the Bible says that Jesus joined them and they didn't even recognize him. And he began to say, hey, what y'all talking about? And it was like, have you not heard what went on? what's happened today this yesterday have you not heard well it's amazing when they stopped to spend the night they begged him to stay because it was late and he did the time come to eat and when he prayed they recognized how many of us pray out in public? over a meal I always try try to make it a point when I see a, a young family or anybody an individual or anybody before I leave if I can leave before they do to go by their table and say hey thank you for asking the blessing over your meal um, we saw a young lady one evening with two children that did that and Lynn and I were sitting there and All of a sudden, Lynn said, I'm going to go over and talk to them. She went over and talked to them and just picked up their ticket. Why? Love. Just to show love. And what do we need to do? We need to to pass it on. Because Jesus, when he came forth from the grave, he conquered death. I mean, hey, no more death. When we as as Christians, we leave here and we go to heaven, we'll experience no more death because he conquered that death. When he came out of the grave, hey, death was defeated. Then and there and forevermore. Yes, we're still going to die. We're dying because of Adam and Eve's sin. That's why we die. Whether it be by some disease, heart attack, stroke, cancer, you name it or whether it be natural causes, until Jesus comes, we are going to die. But thank God for a Christian, that's the only death we're going to experience. This is the death of this body. Everything about this thing, I mean, eventually if we live long enough, it's become, going to become a total wreck, okay? The only thing that's completely saved is our soul. And that's the thing it's going to go to heaven. And then when, when time comes for that soul to meet back with that Christian body, it's going to be a brand new body. Um, and it says, the Bible says, we will know each other as we were known. If he hadn't come forth from the grave, hey, we would, death would not be defeated. We would be serving a dead Savior. What good is that? All that's ever come, naming the name of Jesus, claiming they were this and that and the other, and got people to follow them. Hey, they're dead. They're still in the grave, their bodies, still in the grave. But Jesus is seated on the right hand of his Father, speaking for you and for me. Last of all, to, be, to become a child of God, Jesus came on a mission. There was nothing accidental about the coming of Jesus. There was no wasted time or notion in his life, whether to go or whether not to go. You see, his mission was to give salvation to the lost. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law, I come to fulfill it. I come seeking to save that which was lost. That's the only reason. What is our job today as Christians? To seek and to save through the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't save anybody, but I can present the word of God to them. I can pray with them. I can plant seeds. I can water. And God has promised to give the increase. He does not and will not give the increase if there's no sowing going on and if there's no watering going on. You can't have a crop No matter how big the fields are, if you don't plant the seed, and if the water don't come, the seed don't germinate, it don't come up, it don't produce, but when we plant the seed and when we water it, God, thank God, gives the increase. This is where our mission uh, is today, is seeking the lost, checking on people, asking. You can't assume, listen, you can't assume somebody is saved. Oh, they was a good person, preacher, they... I mean, hey, they give you the shirt off their back. If you needed anything, they would help you. He was always bringing stuff, giving stuff, and, and, and supporting things. But you read the obituaries a lot of times. No church affiliations ever mentioned. Occasionally you might see off the Baptist faith. What does that mean? Off the Baptist faith. You know, don't mean squat if a person's lost. I want I want people to know, hey, I I'm not where I pastored, not where I preached here and there, but that I knew the Lord is my Savior. And so many times at um, funerals, it seems like preachers—I am one—will try to preach the person into heaven. That's it's over and a done deal, buddy. You can't do that. Once that body is in the box, hey, if they didn't get saved, there ain't nothing we can do at that hour but try to comfort the family. Well, Jesus came on a mission. Um, we need to let the lost know we love them. You know, hate sin, but love the sinner because, hey, how can you love a sinner? Because you and I, we were one at one time. We were a lost sinner, okay? And now we're saved sinners. And people say, well, how, how can that be? I mean, if you're saved, you don't sin. Well, that's what the Bible says, but it says when we do, we have an advocate. What is that? That's my lawyer. He stands on the right-hand side of his father answering for me. When I get out of line, it's his right to chasten me, to get me back on track. But God loves the sinner, But he hates the sin. So where does that leave us? Uh, You know, if we're going to love God, then we want to be obedient to him. Uh, We're going to be found sharing the love of God with the lost and to share with them that because of the power of God, we have become a child of God. And nobody... Uh, can take that away from us. So when I when I look back in verse twelve, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Look what it says: even to them that believe on His name. Believing is the key. You've got to believe. You've got to believe. believe it's Luke 16, 16, I might be wrong, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, I don't want to misquote something, anybody know right off, Luke 16, 16, I think, no, that ain't it, you messed up. Might be Mark. I'm sorry. You shouldn't know where it is. It shouldn't be behind a honey. You can quote it. You don't know where it is. Mark sixteen, Luke sixteen. Sorry. Luke sixteen, sixteen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Hello. It is Mark. I'm sorry. Thank you for your correction. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not, what does your Bible say? Shall be damned. Lord, have mercy upon people that won't believe and follow the Lord. Baptism. And go share that with them. Father, thank you for the evening. Thank you for your holy word. Lord, I just thank you and I praise you for this book that you allow me to hold in my hands. To know that within this book is the word that has the power to deliver, to save, and to always help us through life, no matter what the situation. Lord, I pray that you bless our people tonight. And Lord, I just pray that you would just uh, honor your holy word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.